0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning. Oh, you can do way better than that. Good morning. There you are. You know, I, I, Bill might make a pastor after all. You know why? I distinctly heard him say, I have one thing to say, no two. That's a line every pastor knows, all right? Um, I want to say to Joel, and I want our congregation to know this, that every pastor I've talked to has said the absolute hardest time they've ever had leading a church has been the last two years during COVID. And I just want to say thank you for providing leadership for our church during the hardest time in my lifetime to lead a church. Are you guys on board with that? I also want to say that group of people that was standing up here, those people are awesome. And they, it, it would be hard to estimate what our church owes that group of people. And as we go through the coming weeks and months, you will see them often serving in places that you probably weren't aware that they were serving. Um, They have been called by God to provide leadership uh, and protection and support for our church uh, all the time, but especially in times like this. So please pray for them and be grateful for them. Now, I know that's big news. I know that's hard news. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to do something really mature. Are you up? Okay. Can you take all that and just kind of set it over here for a minute? And I want to teach us for the next few minutes. And I want to teach us something that I know is super important. And Joel already told you it's dialed right into where we are as a church. But if the only place you apply this is to our church during this time, you will actually miss what God has for you. Okay? There's a message here for our church, but there's a message here for you. And I want to say particularly to anyone in our audience, whether you're at home viewing online or wherever you are, or right here, if there's an area in your life where you struggle. And you feel somewhat hopeless in that area. And you feel overly challenged in that area. Or you feel discouraged. Or maybe you're struggling with depression. Or maybe you're struggling financially. Or maybe you're struggling in your marriage. Or maybe you're struggling raising your children. It, wherever you struggle, there is a message For you today, from Jesus to you, I just get to be the delivery boy. And I want you to hear it from him and not particularly from me. Now, there are phrases that Jesus used so often that we just kind of connect them with him. And I'm going to give a couple. I'll start them and I know you can finish them. Okay? Okay. Jesus often said this two-word phrase, follow me. Yeah. He said this four-word phrase, I tell you the truth. Yes. Well, one of those phrases that Jesus used at least five times that we know of to five different individuals in very different circumstances was this phrase, take heart. And each time he said it, he said something right after it that we would consider a because statement. Take heart because. And what followed is a very legitimate reason why you and I should feel a lift in our spirits and should be encouraged And actually, if you dig into the meaning of this phrase, take heart, it literally means to launch out with courage. Wow. New territory, unknown territory, but to launch out in courage. So we're going to look at all five of these, not all five this morning, just one. And we're going to see that what Jesus said to each of these five people or groups of people actually has a wonderful application for us. And there are reasons that you and I can take heart right now. But before we get into that, there's something that we, that all of us need to know. And I want to tell you right now, this might be difficult to hear. I want to tell you right now, it flows against our culture it flows against what we often hear. So it's, it, it might not even be a real popular message in Sonoma County, but I can tell you it's a message we need. Are you ready to hear it? Okay. I want to point us to three things that Jesus said. Take a look at the screens. The first is, I have come so that people may have life and have it to the fullest. There's nothing controversial about that, except for Jesus said, there's something about the fullness of life that's connected to me. Not everyone in Sonoma County would agree with that, right? Yeah. But Jesus said, nevertheless, that's true. A second thing that Jesus said is, I was born. Do you see a similarity between these two? I have come and I was born. He's saying the reason I left heaven and came to earth is this. I was born and came into this world to testify to or to reveal. What's the next word? No, you skipped one. To reveal the. You didn't think I'd emphasize that word, right? You can't imagine how important that single word is. And before I get into why that's important, I want to point us to the third thing that Jesus said: "The truth will what set, set you free." Now, this is uh, this is like um, it's a sort of a, a circular continuum. Jesus said, "I came so that you might have life and have it to the fullest, but I also came to reveal the truth," meaning that to whatever degree you and I are deceived and believing something to be true that isn't true, that it will take away from the fullness of our life. And Jesus said, therefore, the more you know the truth, the more freedom you will experience in your life. And therefore, you can live life to its fullest. You understand how all three of those go together? Now, where we live, we encounter this thing called your truth and my truth. And people love to look at us and say, well, that's your truth. I have my truth. Can I tell you that language is totally foreign to Jesus? No one owns the truth. Nobody does. It's not ownable. There's not one thing in your life that you can make true because you want it to be true or just because you believe it. Listen, a few months ago, Monica and I went to the doctor because there were some indicators that she had a very serious health problem. And when we sat down with the doctor, I did not want the doctor to tell me his truth. I didn't want the doctor to tell me my truth I didn't want the doctor to tell me Monica's truth. What did I want? The truth. In all of Scripture, truth is always referred to in the singular, and it's always preceded by the article the in almost every context. Because the truth is... The truth is bigger than all of us. And by the way, if anyone had the right to come and tell us his truth, it would have been Jesus. Am I right about that? And Jesus never said, I came to tell you my truth. We have to get on board with that because if we're not on board with that, then everything Jesus says becomes negotiable. And you can't rely on it. That might just be his truth. But Jesus said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. Without condemning people, without demeaning people, he lovingly and consistently said, listen, I'm going to teach you. And the one thing you can be sure of when I teach you is I'm going to consistently teach you the truth and to the best of my ability to the best of Joel's ability to the best of Christy's ability whenever we stand on this stage or whenever we're sitting with you in a meeting or when we're visiting with you in the lobby it makes no difference we want you to know that we are committed to sharing with you the truth are you on board with that Yeah, that's a super important thing. So when we look at these statements where Jesus said, take heart, and he gives us a because reason afterwards, you and I can be very sure that what he is stating is not just wishful thinking. It's not just a positive mental attitude that he hopes somehow happens. It's the truth. And the first one we're going to look at today, Jesus shares in three very specific statements, and every one is worthy of a little pause and reflection. So it's found in John chapter 16, and it begins like this. Everything I've taught you, what was that? The truth, right? Everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great, what's the next word? Confidence. confidence, as you, what's the next word? Rest in me. Think about that. Those three big words, peace, confidence, and rest. Those can be in short supply in our world often, right? right. Yeah, and, but Jesus said, no, no, no. I, everything I've taught you is so that you could have all three of those Now, here's where this gets really significant. Jesus is teaching this on Thursday night, knowing that maybe in a couple of hours he's going to be arrested, he's going to be taken through a mock trial, he's going to be beaten, he's going to be stored in a prison overnight. He's going to be taken out of prison and taken to Pilate the governor. Pilate's going to send him to Herod. Herod's going to send him back to Pilate. And in the end, Pilate is going to sentence him to death by crucifixion. And Jesus is going to be executed the next day. And he knew it. Imagine having this conversation with someone the night before they know they're going to be executed. And Jesus says to them, with love in his eyes and with peace in his heart, everything I've taught you is so that you can have peace in your heart and confidence as you rest in me. No matter where you're struggling, no matter what you're struggling with, the message of Jesus for you today is Jesus is saying everything I'm teaching you is so that you could have peace in whatever it is that you're all struggling about. And then Jesus follows this statement up with one that's even tougher. Are you ready? Here it is. Next thing he says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Thank you very much, Jesus. That's just exactly what we wanted to hear. No. How could you say everything I've taught you is so that you could have peace and confidence and rest in me and then turn around and say, it's going to be tough out there. It's going to be really hard. You see, oftentimes in the church, we inadvertently somehow convey a theology that sets us up for bitterness and disappointment. And I'm so sorry if I've ever done that. And I want to apologize for all of my fellow theologians. The Jews had this theology that sort of went like this. If you're living well, then God will bless you. And if something is not going well in your life, it's a sign that God's not with you. you would be amazed at how much of that theology is in all of us. Do you know how many times... I couldn't even count them. How many times people have come into my office and say, Pastor, where's God? I've been doing things right. What's the inference? Therefore, only good things should happen to me. Huh? Who told them that? That's not actually how life works. Jesus was very clear about this. Jesus and his apostles were walking along one day and there was a beggar beside the road and he had been born blind. And you know what? His 12 apostles turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? It was an automatic that if you were struggling, you were not living well. I just, if I had an ax, I would love to chop that tree down. It's just bad theology. And we're going to talk in a little bit about what the correct view of life is. Because Jesus was crystal clear about all this stuff. And he started out by saying, don't be surprised if you encounter trials and struggles in this life. Because it's going to happen, not just to bad people, to everyone. So, I'm so glad that Jesus didn't stop there. In this life, you will have many trials, right? God bless. Hope it goes well. (laughs) That's not actually what he said. This is the because statement. Take a look at it. He goes on to say, but take heart, let your heart be lifted, be encouraged. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Now let's dig into that for just a couple of moments, and then we'll get into an application at the end. If you and I would think of life as being in a river. At least this is the word picture God gave me as I sat with him. And you and I are swimming in this river and there are four currents that are always flowing against us, always. And by the way, Jesus addressed all four of these over and over and over and over again. And he said, oh, by the way, that current is not stopping anytime soon. All four of them are continuous and as long as we live on this earth, we will never escape these currents. They will always be flowing against us. Which is why he said, take heart. I've actually overcome these currents. This is the world. Okay? Let's take a look at what those four currents are. And the first is this, global brokenness. As a big sea church, we have not done a good job, I don't think, of teaching people what took place way back in the beginning of human history. So just to make a long story fairly short, God creates Adam and Eve, the first human beings, put them in in the Garden of Eden, and everything was perfect for them. There was no struggle. There was no competition. There were no male and female roles. There was no... I, I know, can you imagine? They were married and they had no struggle. Some of you don't want to laugh too loud because of who you're sitting beside. But if you're married, you know what I'm talking about. They lived in this world without struggle because nothing in their world was broken. Everything was perfectly whole. And God said to Eve, see that tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't you dare eat from its fruit because in the day that you do, Everything in your world will break. And you will invite death into your world. And Adam and Eve are bouncing along and everything is great until one day they do a little random produce shopping on the wrong tree. And sure enough, everything in their world broke. They got sick, not because they weren't living right. They got sick because their world was broken. And in a broken world, everybody gets sick, not just bad people. (coughs) They started experiencing tension between each other, not because they were bad people, but because they were broken people. Do you you understand? There's this thing that everything in our world is actually broken and only sort of kind of works. But if you've ever worked with a tool that only sort of kind of works, stand by to get hurt by the tool. Because if you try to use a a screwdriver as a chisel, it kind of works. But you're going to get gouged in the wrong place. I can tell you that. That is the voice of experience. Yeah. Because broken things hurt people. And God forbid this should happen to anyone in our audience But if you lose a child at an early age, it's not because you were a terrible parent. It's not because that child was going to grow up to be something awful. It's not not because God needed them in heaven more than you needed them down here. That's not true. If you lose a child or you go through a miscarriage or you experience some other tragedy, it is more than likely simply because you live in a broken world and bad things happen to everyone who lives in a broken world. And so Jesus said, in this earth, on this earth, you will have many trials. A second current is we have an enemy, and Jesus consistently talked about Satan. And I know it's not popular in our world to believe in Satan. We want to believe that everything is good and everybody's good and if people just had enough opportunity they would all do the right thing and we would all live happily ever after and we would usher in the age of Aquarius. (laughs) Not true. Not true. We have an enemy. And he continually is causing a current to flow against us in this life. Jesus wasn't deluded, but he talked about it all the time. It's it's high time that you and I recognize that when we decide to follow Jesus, we voluntarily sign up for an enemy who wants to do everything he can to defeat the followers of Jesus. Now listen, in my life, when tough things happen... I don't always know whether it's because I live in a broken world or because Satan has come against me. I don't always know. I don't have to know. You know why I don't have to know? Because no matter why it's in my life, Jesus said, I have overcome what? All of it, right? Yeah. There's a third current that flows against us all the time, and that is human brokenness. Have you ever been hurt or disappointed by a close friend? Yep. Human brokenness. Ever struggled in marriage? If you're married, married, put your hand in the air. If you've been married, put your hand in. Yes, yes, you have struggled. That's human brokenness. And, oh, by the way, some of it's yours. I know that's a startling reality, isn't it? (laughs) Hmm. We are surrounded by human brokenness. Now listen, if you know me at all, you know that I love you with every fiber of my being. I hug virtually every one of you on the way in. I will hug you on the way out. And when I hug you, you get all of me. I love you with every fiber of my being. But I'm broken and so are you. And I hope you love me in the midst of my brokenness because I'm going to love you in the midst of your brokenness. And this is why Jesus came and gave us this concept called grace because grace is what enables us to live lovingly and peacefully even though we're all broken. Does that make sense to everybody? But that current is never going away. Not in this life. And we will encounter human brokenness in ourselves and in other people 24-7, 365, never goes away. And the fourth current is this, cultural pressure. There's so much pressure in our world to do certain things, to buy certain things, to look certain ways to live in certain zip codes, to accomplish certain things, to get certain degrees, to have a certain physical shape, to have a certain look about our face, to have a certain amount of hair. I know, I'm failing. (laughs) There's all this cultural pressure And it continually flows trying to get us to invest our money in things that are temporary and actually in the end not really satisfactory. And we can chase all these things that our culture pressures us to chase. And oh, by the way, that current is never going away in this world. So if it seems like you and I are continually swimming upstream, the answer is we are. So how do we do that? That's what Jesus was talking about. Take a look at what Jesus said. He said, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Now that leads to a really important couple of questions that we want to press into as we get into the application. And here are the questions on the the video screen. Number one, is Jesus just a very good life coach and example, or is he speaking about something far deeper? In other words, is Jesus saying, look at me, I've overcome the world, and if I can do it, you can do it, so cowboy up and make it happen. You think that's what he's saying? I had a good friend one time who said, I want to give you a statement that will transform your life. And he was a well-meaning guy and actually a great guy. And he said, it's a simple sentence and every word in it has only two letters. And here was his sentence. If it is to be, it is up to me. I hope not. (laughs) That's not what Jesus was saying. The second question is this Is Jesus calling us to a positive mental attitude and inspiring us to try harder, or is he calling us to a posture of faith and dependence? What do you think? It's the second, isn't it? It's a posture of faith and dependence. And the easiest thing to do as we sit and listen to a teaching like this is to actually assume, thank God I went to church, I got a shot in the arm, and now I can go out here and try harder. I can make this happen, and by golly, God willing, he'll help me. Stop the presses, throw that newspaper away, And let's write a new narrative, okay? The reason Jesus said take heart because I have overcome the world is he was thinking about something that a friend of his had written 650 years earlier. And I call him a friend of Jesus because Jesus knew him when he was a prophet on the earth and his name is Isaiah. And Jesus was, in his own mind, reflecting on what Isaiah said some 650 years prior. And it's up on the video screen. Take a look. Isaiah said, listen, God gives power to whom? The weak. That's us, the broken. And strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find what? new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Where are you struggling today? There's a message in there for you. And it's not cowboy up. It's lean in. About 700 years after Isaiah wrote that, another friend of Jesus' wrote this. His name was Paul. Paul said this, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? (laughs) How how well did Paul buy into the health and wealth gospel and theology? He said, no, no. We live in a broken world. All those things come. He goes, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. I want to end with one simple statement that I hope you never, ever, ever forget for as long as you live. Here it is. We take heart by taking hold of Jesus. It's not taking hold of your bootstraps. It's not somehow believing a, a particular set of doctrines. It's not keeping a certain set of commands. Whatever you're struggling with in your life, wherever you're struggling wherever you're you're feeling hopeless, whatever you're encountering, where where you're questioning if God's at work in your life, Jesus says to you, take heart by taking hold of me. And if you hang on to me and you open your heart to me, I will begin to infuse you with divine strength and with heavenly narratives that are not just positive mental attitudes. They're not just your truth or my truth. I will begin to infuse you with heavenly narratives that are the truth. And when you know the truth, when you live in the truth, it will set you free. And when you have been set free, you can experience life at its fullest. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.